Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today we have the privilege of listening to Joe Lamont give a message called Foundations. Jesus came to be our Savior, but He also came to be our Lord. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. In 2020, are you ready to make Him Lord of your life? Let's make it our goal to stop living for ourselves and start living to do the Lord's will no matter what. We hope you enjoy this message. God comes down and, and we go up and you know, maybe we meet somewhere in the middle, I don't know, but he touched me this morning. So bear with me. Let's pray. Let's start out with prayer. Father God, we just thank you so much. Lord, that you did leave the 99 and you came for me. You came for us, Lord. You found us when we were lost. God, you're here today. Your spirit is in this room right now hovering in this room, God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. Thank you for this season that we're living in. God, you're more and more real every day in our hearts. And Lord, we're more and more grateful. And we just give you all we can this morning. Lord, would you touch the word as it goes out? Let no word leave my lips, God, that's not from you. Lord, I just humbly ask that you would move in our midst today, God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to give another plug. Andrew already gave a plug for men's retreat, but I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, you've heard about it. You've seen the announcement on the screen. I told Harlan, I said, Harlan, that's the worst announcement I've ever seen. <laughs> and I, he knew I was kidding. And I only said that because, I mean, those are just real guys in that, in that video. And this is a, re a men's retreat, and if you've never been to it, you'll come, and you'll just find other real guys down to earth. And if I think back over the years of my walk with the Lord, for sure some of the most impactful times that he touched me were at men's retreats. Going way, way back, whether I was out at camp in Minnesota or down in, in Wisconsin at the camp or, or just locally here, I, I tell you, I've been touched at men's retreats. God does something special when just men come together. I mean, he does it special for all of us all the time, amen? But it seems like something always happens, at least in my life. So if you've never been to men's retreat, you need to come. And he's going to be out in the, in the lobby after service to sign you up. It's just coming up in a short, what, a short couple weeks, and it's going to be awesome. It's at a brand new location this year, and God is going to be there, Amen. Amen. I wanted to make that announcement. So this Sunday between Christmas and New Year, that, that's where we find ourselves today. This is the last Sunday of 2019, which was a really weird year. Just the number 2019 didn't agree with me. But, so I'm excited for 2020, the 2020 vision. That's, that's good, Carolyn. And, uh, but yeah, the last Sunday... The last few days of the year, so we find ourselves in this season, and I just so appreciated Pastor CJ's messages the last couple of weeks when he was talking about Christmas. I, I just loved how he talked about, you know, the spirit of Christmas and, the, you know, the Christmas tree, and we all celebrate Christmas. We do presents, and we decorate. We put up lights, and we do the tree on all the ornaments. But I just want to remind us this morning, how many still have your Christmas tree up? Yeah, all right. Who took it down already? Oh, you guys. 
remember if you got that tree up or if you see a tree this, this, this season yet, that inside that tree, inside those ornaments and, and lights and needles is a, is a trunk. And that trunk is a piece of wood, which symbolifies the cross of Jesus. So yes, he came. Thank you, Jesus, that he came as an infant, as a baby. But he did it for a purpose and he did it for a reason. And he was looking straight at the next season of Easter and the cross. So I want us to concentrate a little bit on that this morning, not to just get caught up in the spirit of, you know, the manly part, uh, uh, fleshly part of Christmas, but what it really stands for. In the middle of that Christmas tree is a cross. Maybe next year I'll do that message, Becky. I had a few requests. I almost did it today. This is water, by the way. I almost did it today, but I didn't want to clean up the mess. So that'll just be a little teaser for next year. But living in this season, it's a time of reflection, and then it's a time of moving forward. And even as we were worshiping, I was just thinking about this year and what God has done in in many of our lives. How many know we can't live in the past? Sometimes don't you wish we could just kind of hang on to those good things? But, you know, there's a lot of bad things that happen, too, even as as recent as yesterday when we lost a couple on the highway over, I think, west of here. Uh, Somebody's mourning, family's mourning this morning, and maybe you lost somebody throughout this year. So as you're reflecting back, you know, maybe it brings some, some grieving or some sadness, but, you know, we can't live there, and God's always pushing us forward, pressing us forward. So it's exciting. I love this time of the year. I I used to not like New Year's, but I actually really like New Year's. I was talking to my wife, Dawn, this morning and reflecting back, and I actually went and got out my little paper from uh, Pine Manor Treatment Center in uh, the fall of 1981, November 6th. I, I, well, whatever, I got out. I'd I'd been in there for uh, substance abuse and alcoholism. 37 years, praise the Lord. Many of you could say the same thing. I know Lisa just celebrated an anniversary. And only because of God can we have those things happen in our life. Thank you, Jesus, I don't have to look back on that with any kind of grieving. It was actually the thing that brought me to the Lord. Sometimes hard times will bring us to the Lord, amen? So, failures and accomplishments. What I want to do today is just make sure that our foundations are sure, okay? As we, as we launch into the new year, we want to make sure we're standing on firm ground. So maybe you're one of the, I don't know, like 30 folks who raised their hands in the last few weeks, gave your heart to the Lord, which was awesome. Maybe you're one of those people and you're here today. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years. You know, somewhere in this message, I believe God has a message for each one of us. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle of that. Praise the Lord. We're going to take a test today. How many like to take tests? Ah. Do you you guys like to take tests? How about a quiz? Pop quiz. A quiz is just a little test, and a pop quiz is just unexpected. So you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but we're going to take a little test this morning. A couple questions, a few questions. How am I doing as we, as we reflect, how am I doing as we go into the new year? 
Is there any room for improvement in my life? Is there any room for improvement? And the third one, am I still majoring on the majors? Am I still majoring on the majors? I believe God wants us to. So it's a refresher course today because we need one. You ever wonder why the world isn't saved yet? You ever wonder that? I mean, we're the most advanced society ever in the history of the world. Um, We're the most probably wise. Well, maybe not the most wise, but we think we're wise. We're certainly the most educated. We're lacking in nothing. Uh, We have technology literally at our fingertips. We can can pull up anything instantly. Um, The worst we have worship that literally lifts us into the heavenlies, into God's presence. Um, We have fresh anointings. We We have fresh prophetic words that God brings us. And those are all awesome things. But yet, when we look around our community and we look around our country, we're not making huge inroads even though we have all that stuff. And I was just asking myself, why is that, Lord? Why aren't we just like charging the gates of hell? And why aren't hundreds and hundreds of people coming into your kingdom? Well, we're going to find out. Say, hmm, hmm. That's what I, that's what I said. I said, hmm, I wonder why that is. I actually wrote, hmm, on my notes here. <laughs> Are we still sold out? for the whole route. Let's look at uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 3. This is an old school day, by the way. You know, we got the wood prop. I've got the old school flannel on. Literally, this is old. I've got the old school markers in my Bible. I've got a table. I'm not doing the fancy thing like Pastor CJ when he's got it all fancied up here. I'm doing old school today, Andrew. Who likes old school? Yeah, that was, that was, I got one amen there. <laughs> so Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to start in, chapter, in uh, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Verse 16, and this is I said all that to say this. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. That's basically the gist of my message today. Can we live up to what we've already attained in Christ? Paul thought it was important to slip that verse in here in this letter. He's going on and on, and and he just kind of slips that in at the end. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Thank you, Lord. John Wesley, I'm going to have a quote from John Wesley. Some of you have, have read some of his stuff. He was from way, way back, way in our church history. John Wesley once wrote to George Merriweather, and this is what he said. Until we press people to a full salvation, we will never experience revival or even necessarily understand our conversion or our salvation. 
until we press people to a full salvation, we'll never experience revival in our land. Friends, if we don't understand our salvation, um, we won't understand our purpose. If, if we don't understand our salvation, we, we can't understand our purpose. So what do you want to do with your life in 2020? Possibly a better question is, what does God want you to do in your life in 2020? Amen? Living in this advanced, crazy society, we can miss it if we're not careful. We're going to look at another scripture. Uh, Book of Proverbs 27. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. And another one in James chapter 4. Now listen, all you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. It'll flip. It'll flip. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Boy, if this doesn't meet today's, today's world, nothing does. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. Friends, how many times do we make these plans? I'm going to do this this year. Even as we're thinking about the year coming up, we're making plans in our minds of we're going to do this, we're going to go there, maybe I'm going to get a new job, maybe we're going to sell our little house and buy a bigger house, and we forget about the Lord, and we don't inquire of him first. The scripture here is just giving us a warning to think of God first. Think of him first as we're planning our lives. Think of him, think of him first in everything. And I'm going to really speed up because I've got a lot of scriptures I want us to see. We're not going to turn there, but it talks about in the book of Isaiah how every one of us, like sheep, have gone astray. I don't know about you, but I, I had gone astray. No question about it. No question about it. So back to the basics word today, revisiting part of our foundation uh, we're going to talk about some old-fashioned words, things like created and things like redemption. How many know that the best way to discover God's purpose or plan in our lives is to look back at the original? You ever wonder that? It's like, well, what, what did you really want, God, originally? What, what did you want? I, I need to know that. The best way is to look back into the original. Let's look at Matthew 19. Good stuff. Matthew chapter 19. Starting in verse 3. Some Pharisees came to him, Jesus, to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And Jesus said, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two of them will become one flesh. So they no longer are two but one. Therefore what God has joined together, 
let man not separate. Why then, they asked, they see they were trying to trick Jesus. The Pharisees were trying to trick him. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? I mean, they thought, well, certainly he's not going to contradict Moses because Moses was, was God's man of the hour. Well, look what Jesus does. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and, and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you divorce to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. So Jesus went just right into the root and he just wiped these guys out with their trick question and he threw it back in their face. Yes, Moses did. They came up with the law and he did, they did make a way for, for divorce to happen and, and God to bless it as much as he could. But originally, that wasn't God's plan. Originally, it would, it would never have been in there. So he went to the root. Friends, we can't understand the cross and God's restoration until we know what God is restoring us to. Does that make sense? Let's just look back or think back for a minute at the original. All you have to do is look back to the book of Genesis, where God created man, he created women, and he, he gave them a place to live, and he gave them a job, and he gave them some orders on what to do. That was the original plan. He made a helper. Guys, we needed a helper, didn't we? I wonder if Adam knew how much he was going to need a helper. I don't know. So uh, creation, just to, just to talk about that for me, this idea of God creating us. It didn't happen by accident, contrary to what some might tell you in science or, or in some uh, schools of thought. It wasn't accidental that God made us. Psalm 139.13. Let's look there. Psalm 139. Verse 13 and 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Talks about being knit together in, in our mother's womb. And sometimes we can gloss over this scripture. We just say it. But just the word knitting. If you, I mean, I don't knit, but like some of you maybe here are knitters. But it takes a lot to knit something nice. Whether you're knitting a scarf or, a, or booties or whatever, a little baby blanket, it takes a lot of work to knit it. And I'm sure the person who's knitting, by the time that thing is complete, they know that thing intimately. They know where every stitch went into it. God knew that with each one of us. He knit us together before we were even born. Isn't that, isn't that a crazy thought to think on that? I mean, some of this stuff to dwell on will just blow your mind. Thank you, Lord. Knit together. So every, next time you look in the mirror, and maybe you have a low self-esteem, remind yourself, God knit me together. He made me just right. Amen? Have you heard the old phrase, everything you need to learn in life can be found out in kindergarten? How many have heard that? I mean, it's kind of true. In kindergarten, they start teaching you just the very basics. And some of those things, well, you don't think about it anymore, but you'll carry them the rest of your life. Everything we really need to know 
about life, we can also find in the book of Genesis. If you haven't read the book of Genesis from the very beginning, I suggest you go back and do it. There's awesome stuff in there. So everything we need to know, everything in life's direction, it's found in the book of Genesis. Let's look at Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. Awesome scripture. If you're a young person and you're thinking about what's God got in store for me, what's he want me to do, all you have to do is look at the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. We can just stop right there. Three words in there we can look at. The Lord, word number one, the Lord. It was him. Word number two, he took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden. So you have actually the Lord, location, and vocation, and he gave him something to do. That's all you need to know right there. If we seek God first for our lives, he'll tell us where to live. He'll tell us what to do. Does that just seem really simple? But, you know, how complicated do we make it sometimes? We can take tests to tell us what we're good at. We can decide, you know, oh, we want to live where it's warm, or we want to live where it's cold. We love winter, or we don't love winter. How about if we ask God, where do you want me to live? What do you, what do you want me to do, Lord? What, what plans do you have for me? Good way to shoot into the new year. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Let's read this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him... All things were created. In him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. We're going to skip past that next one in Revelation and go right down to uh, Romans chapter 11. I'm just skipping ahead in time here to save some time. Romans 11 starting in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given God, given to God that God should repay him? For from him... You can underline that in your Bible, and through him, you can underline that, and you can also underline, and to him, be the glory forever and ever. So from him, through him, to him. In the New Testament, Jesus challenged people to follow him, and he used words like this, if any man come after me, Turn, take up your cross, and follow me. Forsake yourself and follow me. Die to yourself. And then he would drop things like, if you want to find your life, lose your life, and then you'll find your life. Jesus said some hard things. The basis for living the Christian life is found in the New Testament, 
is death to self and made alive to Christ. It's not about us. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about you. It's not about us. Other than it's death to ourself and focusing on Christ. Super basic scriptures, I know. Super basic, but you wouldn't believe how many people miss these really basic scriptures. And then they wonder five years later when they're not discipled why, why things aren't going well. Death to self, life in Christ. It's not about us. Jesus takes the axe. He takes an axe to the root of the sin issue in our life. And the root of the sin issue is, is self. It really is self. That's the root of it. And he takes, he takes an axe to it. We're all selfish. And we tend to look at the cross in a selfish way, and that's totally okay. Everybody does. Because we're fallen people, it's not unusual. He came for the sick, after all. Sometimes it's good to remember that he came for the sick and the broken. He didn't, he didn't necessarily come for the well. Just takes a while for everybody to realize that we're all sick and broken. Just for the next couple minutes, I want you to envision the cross and that there are two sides to the cross. There's the side of the cross that we see when we look at it. We see the cross. And then the flip side of the cross is what the Father sees when he looks at us. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. There's two sides of the cross. And selfishly, we, we, obviously, we look at the cross from one direction. Just a quick analogy. Uh, when we first got married, Don and I, we didn't have any money, really, to speak of. And we needed a, we needed a vehicle. So I went out and I bought a vehicle. I bought a Jeep Cherokee. I'm just going to pick on Andrew for a minute. <laughs> I really didn't buy a Jeep Cherokee. I, I'm, I heard this story. I'm sharing it with you. But I bought a car, and it was just filthy because it was a really cheap car. It was just nasty. This thing had never been cleaned. The interior was grimy and dusty, and the carpets were just full of dirt. The windows, you couldn't see out of them. They were so yellowed. And the upholstery, oh, my goodness. The people who had this car before we bought it had a lot of children. They had dogs and chickens. This car was not pretty. <laughs> And it was an old car, but it was all we could afford. It was loud. I don't know when the last time the oil was changed. So we bought this car, and I pulled it in the garage, and I washed it. And then I washed it again, and I had to wash it three times with, like, solvents to get all the dirt off of it. And then I went inside the car. Oh, and then I waxed it, and I buffed it. Went inside the car, super cleaned the car, super cleaned it. You know, detailing. You ever get your car detailed? I mean, this thing turned out sweet. But all that junk and all that grime, I just threw it in a barrel. And then I changed all the fluids. I changed the oil and the transmission fluid, changed the brake fluid, and just all that junk. It was just nasty. It had sat for a few years on this farm, but it was all we could afford. But by the time I got that done, it was, it was a pretty nice-looking car. So when I was done with it, I picked up that bucket that actually it was a barrel, and I uh, had to put it on a cart. It was so heavy because it was just nasty. And I wheeled that puppy in the house. And I said, Don, look at this stuff I got. Look at all this awesome stuff. Look at all this stuff. 
You know, really, the reason I bought the car had nothing to do with the dirt. The reason I bought the car had nothing to do with all that gunk. The reason Jesus died on a cross was not for your sin. It was for you. Yeah, he dealt with the sin. He had to do that. But what was Jesus looking for when we came to him? He was looking for us. The Father was looking through the cross, through Jesus, and he saw us. He didn't see that, yeah, Joe, you messed up your life for the first 20 years and you were an alcoholic. He was seeing me, and he wanted Joe back. He was seeing you. That's the Father's side of the cross. It's deep, simple but deep. He wasn't interested in our sin because the Bible says he took it and he buried it in the deepest part of the ocean. I believe that's called the Mariana Trench or someplace out in the ocean. It's, I don't know how deep. The Bible says Jesus buried our sins there. That's good news. That's good news that you don't have to think about that anymore other than to be grateful. That's why I was all blubbering during worship today. That happens all the time. It's like, God, your grace is so real. There but by the grace of God go I. Messed up. Thank you, Lord. Unfortunately, many in the church don't see it that way. We've successfully divided the aspects of Jesus as our Savior and the aspect of Jesus as our Lord. How many know you can, you can separate those? It's not easy, but it can be done. And we've done that. Many people have done that. We, set, we accept him as a Savior, but we reject him, reject him as Lord because that's where the cost comes in. We, we accept him for our salvation, for a quick fix, a quick prayer. Give your heart to Jesus. He'll change your life. Friends, how many know that's just the beginning? We don't stop there. Yes, we give our hearts to Jesus, but then the work begins. Sometimes we cheapen it, I think, a little bit. We have to be careful. Oh, the cost that he paid for us, amen? We've made it like buying a car. You have the regular model, and then you have your souped-up, super superb model. You have your, your regular Christian who remains timid and fearful and never knows who they are in Christ, and then you have your supernatural Christian who's grasped everything God has for him and is going forward on a mission. It should never be that way. Every one of us should fall into that second category. Salvation and lordship go together. Amen? We're just going to look at a couple of scriptures. Titus 2, 11 and 14. I need one of those newfangled notebooks, Andrew. <laughs> Titus, chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us. There's that word redeem. 
to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Speaking about the Lordship of Jesus. Let's jump down to uh, Revelation chapter 9. Last book in the Bible. I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 5. And in verse 9, it says, You are worthy. This is talking about the scroll and the lamb. And John was, was seeing this, and he, he, he saw it, and it was very sad in heaven because there could be no one found to open the scroll. And here Jesus comes along and says, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals because you were slain with your blood. You purchased men for God from every time, tribe and language and people and nation. So he purchased us. Really the essence of why Christ died is spelled out clearly in those messages. Getting back to the two sides of the cross, our view, salvation, cleansing of our, of our sin, healing of our bodies, uh, deliverance, that's our view of the cross. All good things, prosperity. And then there's his view to bring, him, to bring us back to himself. That's what he sees when he looks at the cross. There was a time in Genesis when we walked in perfect fellowship with God, in perfect unity, total obedience. Get this thing out of here. <laughs> why, am I, why am I fighting that? Total obedience to God and fellowship. Beautiful communion. Beautiful communion in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve. Beautiful relationship. They woke up with a smile on their face every morning when they realized what they got to do that day. They, they got to walk in the cool of the day. How awesome is that? Amen? But then sin came in. You can read all about it. You know the familiar story. You know, the whole fruit thing. It wasn't an apple. Right, Becky? Somehow we've turned it into an apple. Apple's gotten a bad name. Maybe it was a pear. But sin came in, and it destroyed that fellowship. It destroyed that communion. But then Jesus came back with the cross, and he brings us back to the original. Just like we always want to go back to the root, the cross of Christ brings us back to the original. It can bring us back to that beautiful communion when you can wake up every morning with a smile on your face. You can wake up knowing that God loves you, and you can love God, and you can walk with God all day long. How awesome is that? How awesome is that, that we get to walk with God? What a thought to go into the year 2020. cross brings us back to the original. What did Paul say when he got saved on the road to Damascus? Saul. Remember Saul, the hater of Christians on a mission to kill Christians? He's, he's, he's I guess, riding down the road. I don't know if he was on a donkey. Maybe they were walking. And, and God opens up the heavens and, and lightning strikes him and just floors him. And something like scales come on his eyes and he's blind. 
What did he say? Thank you, Lord, for, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for watching me. Thank you, Jesus, for the prosperous life I now get to live. No, Jesus, or Saul said, Lord, what would you have me do? He was a smart guy. He was a smart guy. That's how he came to the Lord. Andrew, you could probably come up. You can't say Lord and mean it without submission. You cannot say Lord and mean it without submission in your life. It's a contradiction of terms. The moment you say, Lord, he has final authority. Final authority. Do I honestly understand the cross at the end of 2019? Do I understand the cross? Do I understand, do I honestly understand that the root of my sin is myself, my selfishness? And that'll be something we'll battle the rest of our lives. How many know that? It it doesn't just disappear necessarily. We'll battle it. I will do it my way. Like Frank Sinatra saying, wasn't there a song, My Way? Frank, you messed up. How about God's way? God, rend the heavens and come down. We pray, God, rend the heavens and come down. Just don't come down as Lord and Master. Come down as my Savior. But Master? I don't know about that. I just want a savior. I just want a quick fix. I just want a tune-up. I just want a touch. All good things, okay? Do I honestly understand his purpose in my life? And I'm closing. I'm going to tell you one more story. This is a story that David, I'm sorry, uh, Leonard Ravenhill, awesome man of God who's in heaven, awesome man, told to his son David when he was young. And then David, in turn, told this story that I'm going to tell you. So it's a story in a story. And then if you tell somebody, it'll be another story. So a man, a husband, a father, and his young son, I don't know, he's eight, ten years old, it was in England. They wanted to, the dad wanted to bond with his son. So they went to a store and they bought a, his son was really into sailing ships, model ships, and he always wanted a model ship. And they went to the store and they found this ship, the model, and, and the dad bought it and they brought it home. And they started working on it. And it was, I mean, this wasn't just some cheap model, a plastic model that you glued together. This was the real deal. It was wood, and there were parts that had to be glued together, and parts that had to be sanded. And it was an authentic ship. It had masts and real sails. You know, it was probably like two feet long. And they spent, they spent months on this ship building it, the father and the son together. And he, and he built the ship And then they took it to the park, and there was a river in the park. I believe it was uh, in England where this took place. And they tied a long string on the, on the model ship, like 200 feet of line, and they, and they put it in the water. 
and they shoved it out. And the sails were up, and the ship went with the current on the river, and the wind was behind it, and it would go out. And then when it got to the end of the string, they'd, they'd pull it back. And they did that for hours. This, this kid was just overjoyed that they got to sail the ship that him and his father had made. And then right in the middle of this story, they sent it out again and it was going down the river and a gust of wind came and it broke the line. The sails filled and it took off and there goes the boy's ship down the river and he's just heartbroken. You know, it's a big river, it's gone. And they went along the bank and they searched for the boat, searched for this little sailing ship, couldn't find it. Asked all their friends, hey, has anybody found a ship? No, the ship was gone. It was lost. Weeks go by, months. The young man is walking down the street in this English town. Goes by a shop. Today it'd be like a pawn shop, only it was England, so it was fancy. You know, they had little things you could buy, used things and antiques. And here in the window is a ship. And the boy's looking at it. He sees their name on it. Somebody found the ship and brought it to this store and it was on the shelf for sale. The young man went in the store and he says, hey, you have my ship. I built that with my dad. No, and the shop owner's like, oh, this is my ship. It might have been yours once, but it's mine now. It's for sale. Well, how much does it cost? And it was some number, extravagant number, that there's no way this young boy could afford. Say it was $500 or something. So he went home, told his father about how he found the ship they built, told him the price. Father and the son talked. Son started saving his money, saving his money, saving his money, selling other junk that he didn't need. Pretty soon he raised enough money, went back to the store, put the money on the counter. The man handed him his ship, handed him his ship. The story ends this way. The boat belonged to them for two reasons to the father and his son. First, it belonged to them because they created it. They built the ship. Second, it belonged to them through the right of redemption. Or another word for redemption, a buying back. You and I belong to God first through the right, his right of creation. God made you. He created us. He created us for himself, but we became lost. And we became separated. And it cost the Father everything. Think about it. It cost the Father everything to buy us back. That's why I cry and worship. Cost him everything they had, but he paid the ultimate price to get us back. And now we are not only his by right of creation, 
but we're his by the right of redemption. Get that in your inner man today as we go into a new year. Get that in your spirit. You will never have revival, John Wesley said, until we press people to a full salvation. Young people in Christ, I'm pressing you to a full salvation. You don't belong to yourself. If you're one of the 30 or so folks who raised their hands recently, you don't belong to yourself anymore. More mature Christians, I'm pressing us to a full salvation this morning. The end of 2019, I'm pressing you into a basic, full foundation salvation. We're not our own. He has a purpose for our life. And I'll close with this. Revival in our churches and towns and country begins when we are willing to say, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. All of my talents, all of my abilities, all of my work, all of my money, all of these things and more, I lay at the cross. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Can we say this morning that we're sold out for the whole route? Can we say that? I believe we can. We can say that. God wants to send revival to our land. Matter of fact, he's fixing to do that. A lot of people who know a lot more than me. God's getting ready to pour out on this country and on this world. And I don't know if it's going to start here or if it's going to start in Saudi Arabia or Iran or Africa or India. But he's already starting to pour out his spirit. And he's looking for people who are sold out. And we will never have revival. We will never have it until he finds a people who are sold out the whole route. Who say, Jesus, you're my savior. Jesus, you're my Lord. And I'll do anything for you. Why don't we just bow our heads? I know I'm gone a couple minutes over. But after all, it's the last message of the year. How long can I go, right? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Maybe there's somebody here that you don't even realize. You don't even realize any of this. You'd forgotten that God created you. And maybe you related with that story. And you want to say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you were here the last couple weeks and you didn't quite get your hand up. You were right there on the edge, but something held you back. If that's you today and you want to say yes to Jesus, just raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're here and Jesus is your Savior, but possibly you've come to realize that he's not your Lord at least not in the fullness 
that we all know that he wants. Maybe you're not sold out for the whole route. Maybe you just didn't realize that he was the Lord. And you want to make him your Lord. You want to say, God, I want to do whatever you want. I want to go wherever you want. I want to say whatever you want me to say. I'm yours. If that's you, you can raise your hand. Yes, yes, yes. Hands going up. Yes, I see that hand back there. Maybe you've been living for yourself and you haven't been living for him. Or maybe there's just an area of your life you haven't laid down to the Lord. If that's you, you can just raise your hand right where you are. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. Once you've raised him, you can put him back down. I see that hand. Is there anybody else who wants to make Jesus Lord of 2020? You can go out of this year, brand new person. Anybody else? I'm not going to go any longer. I see that hand. You can put it down. I see it. One more second. I see that hand. You can put it down. God, you know what? I see those hands, but you know what else? God sees those hands. And he's going to move in your life. Read your Bible this year. Have devotions this year. Love people this year. Speak speak truth this year. Know your love this year. Know you're created and bought with a price this year. Go out of here with your head high and your Bible in your arm held high, serving the Lord. Amen. Father, would you send us off with your love? Send us off, Lord, with energy. Send us off, Lord, with the Holy Spirit bubbling up within us. Send us out, Lord, change, not the same as we came in. Send us off, Lord, not the same as maybe 2019 was. Maybe it was a big disappointment. 2020, Lord, you can make brand new. You can make brand new. Amen. Just look at me for a second. It's okay to get excited about God. It's okay to love God extravagantly. It's okay to be passionate in your, in your worship to God. And worship is a multitude of things. This is just part of it. it. That's okay if people see you doing that. As a matter of fact, your neighbor's probably waiting for you to do it because then they're going to do it too. It's okay to be passionate about Jesus. After all, he's passionate about you, amen? God loves us so much. Boy, if we could just grasp today how much he loves us and go into what tomorrow is the last day, the next day, Tuesday, last day of 2019. Today is the last day of your old life. Today can be the last day of your wishy-washy, lethargic apathy. I mean, we all have some of that in our lives. I put myself at the front of the line. There's things I need the Lord, I need the Lord big time. I need to make him Lord big time, more and more and more. We do that the rest of our lives, amen. God bless you as you go. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? 
Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.